Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 8th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How goes it, my friend? Well, not bad. I mean, we're attempting this for a third time. Um, <laughs> our our first attempt, as as anyone knows that listened to my little update yesterday, was that uh, we had a 60-minute audio file with only 3 minutes and 38 seconds of actual audio. Um, and then uh, about, you know, 7 or 8 minutes into the second recording, uh, my illustrious co-pilot here realized he didn't press record <laughs> <laughs> yep so now i can see that the, the time is ticking away so we are actually recording this time i swear to god third time's a charm so <laughs> so on the show today conservative party of canada leadership race who's out and who's in go fund yourself a dairy scary trip to the grocery store the B.C. Liberal Party has a new leader and more. Where do we start, sir? Well, just like the other two times, I think we'll start with the uh, very dairy trip to the grocery store. Yes, indeed. The dairy cartels, as you label them, and uh, fair to do so, Maxime Bernier also calls them cartels, and he's from Beauce, which is dairy country in Quebec. The dairy cartels have decided to give themselves, the manufacturers, a 15% price increase on all dairy products in Canada. So you know, if the manufacturers are increasing their price 15%, well, the retailers are going to go 15 plus. Well, that was so nice of themselves. Wasn't it, though? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, we've already got dairy prices that are much, much higher than the U.S., and they're now going to go even higher. Uh, we, we in Canada, we have a, a supply chain management problem uh, in that we like to not give our farmers and ranchers a choice uh, on who they sell to, and we don't give them the ability to negotiate their prices either. Uh, and that's why, you know, Stephen Harper ditched the uh, the West Can Western Canada only wheat board, and that helped Western Canada farmers and ranchers out a lot. Um, and everybody screamed bloody blue murder when that was happening too, but it turned out to be a positive. And um, it's time we get rid of these dairy cartels in Canada as well. I mean, everything's getting so expensive now, and increasing this by 15 you know 20% on the retail side is going to be a little crazy i mean it's it's going to it's going to hit people really hard i mean it, you see that with beef and chicken and pork and everything already and and the crazy thing is is that with with the um with the beef and the chicken and pork the the ranchers aren't seeing the uh the increases on their end it's only on the middleman yeah, that's actually a, a really good point. Like, I have a, a friend whose family is is in the hog business, and he says, "Yeah, they're I mean their their prices really haven't gone up much at all in the last decade. Yet you go to buy pork 
even at the butcher shop is a little ridiculous. And uh, I, was, I was in my local Costco about 10 days ago and the pack of hamburger patties that I usually buy, frozen patties, which was $18.99 the last time I bought them. Well, 10 days ago, that was up to $29.99. That's a 50% increase. It's criminal. Yeah. It, it absolutely is, especially when you find out that the beef producers aren't getting that money. It's, it's a middleman that's making that money. Um, and, and, we, and we see that with chicken. I mean, the last time I, I, buy, I buy my chicken by the box uh, from Costco, the frozen box, because that, for some reason, the price on that hasn't changed a whole lot but if you're buying fresh chicken like five five or six breasts of chicken you know i remember when it was 17.99 uh, well hell i remember when it was 9.99 but last year it was like 17.99 and this year it's 34 dollars oh jeez. yeah and so i mean and this is where i tell people you know if you want beef at a reasonable price and you want high quality beef but you want it at a reasonable price and you want to help out the rancher that produced it go direct go to the rancher and buy a half a cow or a quarter cow i mean you can do that and the pricing is really good i mean you're getting you know a hundred pounds of meat at say $11 or $10 a pound, but you're getting steaks and roasts and everything at that $10 a pound. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, you're, you're paying $10 a pound for ground as well, but you're paying $10 a pound for all of it. And when you're at the grocery store, it's like $42 a pound for steak. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh and it's unfortunate at a time when, well, obviously inflation has something to do with it, but this is a time before COVID even hit that half of Canadians were broke. It was, I believe it was 49% of Canadians were $200 or less from being able to pay their bills. And the latest polling that I read said 52% of Canadians don't know how they're going to pay their bills. And now this is just making it worse. Yeah. And you see the price at the gas pump. I mean, regular gasoline here has gone up to a dollar sixty-two. Um, diesel is a dollar sixty-four or dollar sixty-five, I believe. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. And, and I'm not even in the you know Vancouver where they have a, I believe it's a seventeen cent a liter tax there for um, transit. Wow, seventeen cents. Yeah. Speaking of criminal, wow. Well, I did notice today that uh, I, mean, I feel a little better hearing your gas prices because diesel here went up to a dollar fifty today, and I, which I thought was got to be a record high. And the gasoline's a buck forty-seven, which again has got to be a record for out here. It's it's painful. It is painful, and it's so it's hurting. We're getting hurt at every turn. But, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of it has to do with inflation and the inflation caused by our government. But that doesn't mean that the dairy cartel has, you know, that they should be raising prices by 15%. I mean, 
they're already, I mean, dairy farmers make really good money in Canada because of this. And, um, I mean, it's, I'm all for free market and the, and this, and this is not free market. No, it's not. I mean, it's a very controlled market and be, you know, the cartel has all the power and, I mean, I get that you've got to increase your costs with, with inflation. I mean, nobody's going to deny them that, but 15% when inflation is being reported at 4.8%, realistically, probably about 7%, they, uh, they got to work really hard to justify that. And they don't want to, cause they don't have to. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move on to, to your province, BC. Now the, uh, quite lengthy leadership uh, race for the BC Liberal Party has now concluded and you have some sad news. Yeah, yeah. Our favorite, Ellis um, Ellis Ross, did not win. He finished second um, to Kevin Falcon, which is a little unfortunate. Um, Kevin Falcon is a little bit more liberal. Uh, Ellis Ross is more conservative. Um, Kevin Falcon brings a lot of baggage with him because he was part of the uh, Gordon Campbell, Christy Clark governments that uh, these, that the BC wants to uh, kind of forget, um, even though they were initially, they were very good for this province. Um, but, uh, but they're the ones that brought in the carbon tax and, and, uh, and had a few scandals like BC, like the sale of BC rail. Um, so, he brings that baggage with him. Um, unfortunately, 52% of the party decided that that's who they wanted to represent the party. Um, I say that is just going to lead to another NDP government uh, in the next election. Ellis Ross, in my book, was uh, probably one of the best candidates we've had for pre for to be the leader and to be premier in this province here for a long time. He's a first nations leader from Northern BC. He is uh, pro natural resource pro development. Uh, and in the, in the wake of uh, the Kamloops Indian band, um, unmarked grave discoveries and, uh, and all of that happening around the province, uh, and the the precarious relationship that our government currently has with First Nations, I thought that a First Nations uh, premier would be probably the best thing we could have right now. And unfortunately, the rest of the party did not agree. Well, it is a shame. Now, was there uh, many candidates in that race? Uh, it started out with a bunch. Um, I think in the end, we there were seven um, on the final voting day. Okay, and where did Mr. Ross, please? Uh, he finished second. Okay, so he still did well, but not, uh, unfortunately, didn't capture the top prize. That's too bad. No, no. Um, but I mean, I think it really shows a lot when you see that the first first round had uh, Kevin Falcon at like 47%. Oh, my. In the after the first round, but it took three more rounds for him to cross fifty percent. Oh, so he really didn't have a lot of down ballot support. No, no, he was either your first choice or your last choice. 
Yeah, well, that's interesting. So that, uh, well, hopefully the party can still uh, unify around him. I know there was a few moves I didn't like, just like with the Aaron Gunn incident. So uh, yeah. hopefully they can move on from that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's almost like uh, Mr. Falcon is almost like an act, puts the liberal back in BC liberals, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, and for the rest of the country, I mean, if you don't know, the BC Liberal Party is not 100% liberal. It's like 50% liberal, 50% conservative. We don't have a real conservative party in BC. We do. I know I'm going to anger some people, but only about 1.5% of the people listening because that's about all there is in support for the, for the BC Conservative Party. Uh, it's, it's really not a party. It's really not worth mentioning. Um, so, uh, what, what the BC Liberal Party is, is a coalition of conservatives and liberals because, uh, after the Bill Anderson government, uh, where he was, he had to resign in, uh, shame for a, uh, a real estate deal that he used his power of premier to uh, facilitate for himself. Oh. Um, he uh, the, the the party the party folded, and so the the ma- the members of the party decided to just join the BC Liberal Party and uh, stage a coup and vote their own. Um, one of their own candidates into the leadership. Oh, I'm never, never one who's opposed to a coup. Why not? That's uh, <laughs> one way to go. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's what the BC liberals are all about. They're not associated with the federal liberals uh, at, at all. So uh, that's, you know, I, I did join the party so I could vote for Ellis Ross. Uh, I will most likely let my uh, membership lapse. Um, I hope that Ellis Ross and maybe some other high-profile MLAs um, and maybe even candidates decide to break away and start their own actual conservative party. Um, I, I my my problem is is that there's too much support for the NDP in this province, and that's why. I think only a united right of center center party has a shot at beating the NDP. Well, I think that's a fair assessment. I know when uh, Aaron Gunn suggested he might start his own political movement, I just thought, no, that's so not the way to go. And for the exact reason you just said. Yeah. Yeah. BC loves its socialism. So. So it looks like you might be stuck with it for a little while longer. Yep. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we go fund ourselves and then we can talk about the Conservative Party of Canada. Yeah, let's do that. So uh, you, I'm sure you've all heard by now, Canada, that GoFundMe decided first to suspend the GoFundMe account that was raising money for the Freedom Convoy. And we're going to talk more about the Freedom Convoy in a moment as well. But... GoFundMe decided first they're going to freeze the account. Then they decided that, oh, they no longer like the Freedom Convoy and who they stand for. So they were going to take $9 million plus that had been raised and not yet dispersed and donate it to charities of their choice, not of donors' choice. And so immediate backlash from a lot of donors. And long story short, 
GoFundMe has decided they're going to refund all money to all donors and a crowdfunding site I'd never heard of until the weekend, Give, Send, Go has decided to take the place of GoFundMe and to date has already raised, I believe it's $3 million. Yeah, and, uh, I forget what it's called, um, that site. Uh, Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go. Yeah, it's a Christian, an American Christian fundraising site. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it's, and they have had some questionable uh, fundraising campaigns on there, but, uh, um, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> unless they're actually uh, advocating for violence or uh, or or anything like that, then then have at her. Um, you mean like GoFundMe well, uh, having an account for Antifa in Portland, for example, and uh, raising money for the Chop Zone in Seattle? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah. It, isn't that funny? Hey, how how those are still on there? They've never, you know they. They they never suspended their accounts, right? That's um, right. And there was actual violence associated with those, like a lot of actual violence. Uh, oh yeah, especially with Antifa. I mean, they burned Portland for a hundred days. So. Yeah, well, in <laughs> Chop in Seattle, I mean, there was rapes and murders. Yeah, but I mean, let's. It's such a joke. Um, especially when there is no evidence of violence associated with the convoy protest, no evidence of racism associated with the convoy protest. I mean, a Confederate flag that is very questionable because like we discussed on a previous episode, he was followed around by an official photographer. Um, and he was one of the only people on the hill who actually covered his entire face so you couldn't see who he was um really makes you wonder what his motive was there and besides protesters all told him to leave um the swastikas that that we saw were not saying that they were in favor of it or that they were supporters of Nazism or that they were Nazis. They were saying that the Canadian government was acting like the Nazi government of the 1930s. A bit of a stretch, but some of the same tactics to divide and, uh, and create hate for your fellow Canadians, the same tactics are being used. So, you know, there was some merit to that, but they, they decided that that meant that they were Nazis and which is, which is a total mislead. I mean, it's, it's disinformation. Oh, disinformation at its best. And we had pointed out on uh, previous shows how there really is two different convoys depending on who you listen to. And still, the uh, the mainstream bought and paid for media and Justin Trudeau paired each other's exact same statements that people in Ottawa are frustrated. And that actually I can believe that being they've had this convoy downtown for 10 days now. But I mean, they're, of course, they're calling it an insurrection. They're calling it an occupation. 
and they're saying threat to democracy. Yes, and and the citizens of Ottawa are afraid, and stores are afraid to open. And uh, earlier today, actually, I heard an interview with Anthony Fury on his podcast with uh, Rupert Supermania, who lives right there in downtown Ottawa. So she's been out walking around talking to people, and she's originally from India, and she says, "Yeah, she says there's every." type of Canadian possible. She says there's people there with young families, there's old people, there's brown people, East Asian people, and she says it's just a great mix. And she pointed out that there was people singing We Are the World while dancing around in a circle and bouncy castles. Well, that certainly says insurrection to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's unbelievable. And our and our prime minister has continued his divisive and hateful rhetoric. I mean, he's he's said that they're the tinfoil hat crowd that believes in microchips with the vaccines and all this kind of stuff. And it's like you're such a tool. I mean, I I I can't even say what you are on our show because we try to be family friendly. <laughs> um but I mean, you're the worst kind of person. He is. It's uh, it's really amazing the disconnect between the Laurentian elites and working class Canada. I mean, really, this has become. It started out as a con- as a convoy to fight vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, sparked by the cross border truck drivers' vaccine mandate. But it really has become more of a you know what, we're the working class, we're the people who've actually lost our jobs, lost our businesses, and we're pissed off. And you've got these elites in in all cities, but this just happens to be Ottawa, who are what I've heard coined the laptop class, who just simply took their office jobs and moved them to home, so they never lost one cent of income. And in fact, they've made money because they no longer have to commute, they no longer have to, to buy professional dress work clothes. And they don't get that there's the person that had that restaurant down the block where you used to grab your lunch and it's not open anymore. Well, that's because they have no more money. No, exactly. And I mean, this is... Have you ever heard a prime minister use the word suck in the House of Commons? (laughs) Yeah. Not in the house. He did say that something about COVID sucks in one of his daily condescending press briefings. No, he said it. He said it. He said it in response to Candace Bergen in question period. Oh my gosh! He said that this that the COVID that COVID has sucked for a lot of Canadians. That's real professional. Yeah, and then went on to say. But too damn bad. Basically. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Too damn bad. Well, and that's been his attitude, though. I mean, he's uh, the great divider. I mean, during the election campaign, I mean, the unvaxxed were the great unwashed. And, I mean, he's has no problem calling out people who are not vaccinated and cursing them out like they're lepers and they don't belong in society. And he's continued that rhetoric. And it's been pointed out that the Freedom Convoy is full of people who are fully vaccinated 
and are just tired of the government control. But Trudeau just doesn't get it. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. Even California is dropping their mandates. Wow. California. Uh, New Jersey is dropping their their mandates. Um, and and these are like hard left states, and they're saying that they're dropping their mandates because there's no scientific evidence that they work against Omicron. And they're right. There is no evidence. In fact, there's plenty of evidence to the opposite. So if if California is dropping their mandates, why can't we? Yeah, I mean, outside of New Zealand and Australia, Canada has had the toughest COVID measures, lockdown measures, especially Ontario. And there's really no need for it. Like uh, what Rupert Supermania was saying when in her interview with, with Anthony Fury was that, I mean, the province has been locked down and there was a lot of restaurants that have been closed and a lot of shops that have been closed. And she said the the people who showed up for the with the Freedom Convoy were actually a boom to local business because a lot of these shops are just hanging on by a thread. And here comes 10,000 people into Parliament Hill who are dropping money for coffee, etc. And it's been great from that front. And she was saying that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of people are upset with the horns honking, and I get that because they can be loud, and some dr- trucks have train horns on them. So I get that. But she said, for the most part, that it was actually quite good for the local economy because people are here and they're, they're buying stuff. So she she's not seeing where businesses are closed for fear of all these, these Nazis coming in and destroying the place. Yeah, imagine that. Um Lots of people equal more business. Hmm. Who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, but getting back to the GoFundMe part of this, yeah. uh, they, we have found out because the Ottawa Police Service has actually admitted that they were the ones who lobbied GoFundMe to suspend and delete that fundraising campaign. Yeah, and you know, that makes me wonder now when uh, the police chief said that he did not see a policing solution to this problem, if that's what he was referring to. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, as well, since since all that, uh, the city of Ottawa has declared a state of emergency, which is an absolute joke, um, just so that they can bring in like they can double the, uh, the, the the police force by bringing police from like Toronto and other places the they are now ar- like they are arresting you if you bring fuel or food to the truckers um, they will uh, and, and and it sounds like the police chief really wants the military yeah. It's illegal. You can't use the military against Canadians on Canadian soil. You just can't do that. Yeah, I don't really get his angle on that one. And with the and they had a judge now bring out a judicial 
order. Well, I'm not sure what, what exactly the technical legal term of it is. An injunction. Injunction. Thank you. Um, an injunction against the blaring of horns in a certain zone within Ottawa, which I think is funny because the enforcement end of it is that the police officer, if you blow your horn, the police officer approaches you, has to tell you verbally first, okay, stop blowing your horn or you're going to get a fine. And then if you blow the horn a second time, then they can come give you a fine. Now, I think a lot of these drivers are probably thinking, we've got a few million bucks behind us. We can probably pay a fine or two. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this is... I, I am seeing more and more support for this. I actually thought that it would wane and go the other way, uh, to be quite honest, because that's the way Canadians are. We... We support a cause until it becomes too much work, and then we then we start being against it. Um, and that's just a, a Canadian thing to do. Uh, where this time, I just see more and more support for it. I mean, the on Saturday, the uh, the highway that runs north south here in the Okanagan Valley was jam-packed with people all the way from Asuyas, which is down at the U.S. border, all the way up to Vernon. I mean, that is a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And it was... And I drove most of that on Saturday uh, because I was actually buying a truck in Vernon. And um, and it was it was absolutely insane how many... People were on the overpasses, on the side of the highway. How many people were in the convoy? Because there was a convoy that was driving the highway. Um, it was it was great to see. Yeah, and people in Ottawa have decided they, uh, to skirt around the uh, police orders because there was apparently a, a sort of a centralized quasi-fuel depot where... There was obviously diesel fuel and people would put that on the back of a truck and bring it downtown for the, the truck drivers. Well, the police tried to break that up. Now, private citizens in Ottawa are filling up a jerry can with diesel, put it in their little red wagon or their sled and just taking it themselves over to the trucks. And they're bringing food for the drivers. So they're skirting around what uh, this injunction was supposed to be, well, stopping. Well, they better be careful because... Uh the Ottawa police service said they're going to start arresting them. I did hear uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, I just, uh, I think, I think there's, I think, you know, the liberals, the NDP, they're all on the wrong side of history on this one. Oh, they really are. And, uh, one more thing about our friends at GoFundMe, uh, they're going to find themselves in a lot of trouble, not necessarily legally, but, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida made it very public that he wants to investigate this. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, who was quite prominent in the Donald Trump presidency, also uh, had said that, hey, this is wrong and this needs to be investigated. So you've got some pretty powerful people in the U.S. Uh, and, you know, Tucker Carlson, very, very popular in U.S. media, all saying, um, go fund me. This was wrong. And we need to open up the hood here. So uh, I think GoFundMe is in for a world of hurt. Yeah, and I hope so. I hope um, so too. But, but you know what? I, I just got to say one thing. I just want 
Donald Trump to stay out of this. Yeah, he did uh, this, uh, pledge some support for the Canadian truck drivers at that one rally, didn't he? Yeah, and that just that hurts our cause because no matter what you think of Donald Trump, or I mean, <laughs> there are some Trump fans in Canada. I'm not one of them. You are. I am. Uh, but uh, he is hated by the majority of Canadians. So him voicing his support only hurts the cause. It doesn't help it. Well, I have to say you're right. I mean, uh, yeah, I do like the Donald, but yeah, that's true. It probably doesn't do the, the overall cause a lot of favors, but, but yep. Go fund me. You can go fund yourself. Absolutely. All right. So let's move up to the federal scene to a different leadership race. So the conservative party of Canada, as we all know, uh, the caucus, voted Aaron O'Toole out, so he resigned his position on Wednesday, which means that now a leadership race has to begin. And before the race even began, on the weekend, well, actually, first let's talk about who is out. So uh, in typical left-wing media fashion, the mainstream media types all decided to go and approach as many people as they could who they knew would say no. Um, former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall being one of them. And Brad Wall yeah, said... Isn't, isn't Brad Wall, like, retired? He's retired and he's ranching in southwestern Saskatchewan. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. Let's go ask him. Yeah, and he doesn't speak French and he said he has no desire to learn. He said he's got no desire to be in politics again after 16 years in elected politics. But yeah, let's ask Brad Wall if he's interested. Yeah. So then Brad Wall says, no, well, what about current Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, who also doesn't speak French and also has never expressed any federal political ambitions? So he also said no. Surprise! Surprise! And, well, how about Doug Ford then? Oh, well, Doug Ford didn't seem to be interested either because he's enjoying being Premier of Ontario, and I don't think Doug Ford speaks French either. Do you know? No, he does not. Yeah, I didn't think so. So, uh, wow, Doug Ford's out. Oh my <laughs> God, nobody wants this job. No, not even Jason Kenny. Not even Jason Kenny, and he speaks French. Oh my God. Wow, and neither does Lisa Rate. And Lisa Rate decided that nope, she's probably making a heck of a lot more money with CIBC, so she'll just stay where she's at. And and neither does Rana Ambrose. Oh my God, not Rana either. Oh my gosh. This, this, this party's in complete disarray. Yeah, all these people that aren't in the party anymore. Right. And don't I, want the job, so yeah. Okay, guys. Yeah, so that means that obviously the Conservative Party is, is the kind of thing that nobody would touch with a 10-foot pole because they didn't ask even one currently elected MP or possibly past leadership candidates. The name Leslie Lewis has come up from the talking heads, but nobody asked her. Marilyn Gladue did say she was interested at least, and she's at least a current MP, but, well, that's as close as they got to actually approaching anybody that's actually a member. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Candace Bergen was named the interim leader because... She was one of the ones that I was hoping would run for the leader. Um, I think Marilyn Gladue should just not waste her time. 
um, because she's not going to win. Um, and uh, but we did find out who the first candidate is. We did on a, uh, I believe he released the video on YouTube or maybe he was on Twitter. But regardless, I I saw it on YouTube, but. As far as I'm concerned, we can stop the leadership race before it even starts because Pierre Polyev has said he is in. Yes, and I gotta say, I almost cried watching that video. And I know that sounds silly or hyperbolic, but it's not. I I almost cried because for my entire life, I have been waiting to hear a politician say all the words that Pierre Polyev said in that video. And it has taken my entire life before I heard someone say those words and Pierre Poiliev said those words. And I was just, I was like, how can anybody not vote for that? Yeah. And in Canada, if you want to hear the, the video, it's about a two and a half minute speech he made. We did actually share a link to that on our Canadian common sense, Facebook page. And he did, he talked about freedom. He talked about the free market. He talked about, people taking charge of their own lives about governments being the servant, not the master. And yeah, it was almost like he was throwing money at me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he talked about lower taxes and less government spending and, you know, that Canadians are the boss, not the prime minister. Um, he was saying everything that I've ever wanted to hear and it's surprising that I've never heard it until today. Well, till Sunday. Yeah. And of course, right on cue, uh, Evan Solomon, who, for whom I have lost a lot of respect in the last just couple weeks alone. As have I. Um, he had to come out and analyze Pierre Polyev's speech and said, well, the one word he said the most was freedom followed by government. I'm like, you're counting his words now. That's... That's fantastic. So, of course, now, because Pierre Polyev's used the word freedom so much, he's obviously trying to appeal to the trucker convoy, and he's obviously trying to uh, appeal to the that evil right-wing fringe. And I just thought, you know what? He's actually giving the same message that he's always given throughout his now 18-year political career. He's at least been consistent, but he's just actually putting it to words now. And I want to say the one thing I thought was brilliant on his part was that he said he's running to be prime minister. He didn't even mention the words conservative party. And I thought that was actually really genius. Yeah, as did I. I mean, I just, when, when did the word freedom become about hate? Well, that's a really good question. You're right. I mean, freedom is, well, freedom is love as far as I'm concerned, because I, I love that word. And I, I know that they, they keep trying to dismiss it saying, oh, freedom doesn't mean you can just do whatever you want. Well, nobody's ever said that's what it means. 
But freedom really just means you can make your own decisions. Like freedom has to mean something. It's part of who we are. And it's not just some punchline to be tossed around by the, the bow tie wearing class. No, exactly. But it's like freedom has become about hate. The Canadian flag is a, is a, a hate symbol. Uh, the American flag is a symbol of hate. Um, I mean, this is these are the talking points of the left now, and it's and it's really scary. But I'm I'm so glad that Pierre Poilievre decided that you know enough's enough. He needs to step up and run for that leadership so that we can get this country back on track. And I'm I'm thrilled that he's announced his candidacy. Who else? Who who else do you want to see run? I don't. As far as I'm concerned, I think Peter Pierre Polyev can just uh, be coronated. <laughs> well, coronations never seem to work out. So I, I still <laughs> want to see debates. I still. Want, I mean, look, Justin Trudeau was a coronation. I I want to see debates, and I want to see ideas debated, and uh, I. I, I mean, I'm with you. I would, I, I if, I, I just, I love the idea of Pierre Polyev being the leader. I love the idea of him being prime minister. Um, but I think that there's other people that are worth hearing too. Um, I don't, I, I see a lot of chatter online about Leslyn Lewis and I, and I just, yes, she's smart, but she's been a, an MP for what, three months? Yeah. And and she, but the problem is, is that she's a social conservative and no matter what your feelings on, on abortion and all that are, um, nobody in Canada, including most conservatives are going to vote for a social conservative. It's just not something that would go over well in this country. And, and I mean, she's, and because she's a black woman who is a social conservative, uh, she'll she'll be on the receiving end of the Larry Elder's effect in California, which was, she will be a misogynistic, uh, religious zealot who is the black face of white supremacy in Canada. That's how she'll be portrayed. Oh yeah. I mean, even Pierre Polyev is going to be portrayed as an extremist and uh i mean that's what evan solomon was trying already with uh trying to say how he said the word freedom so much but okay if i've got to throw somebody else in the ring um cpac on their podcast this morning actually was suggesting jean charet former uh progressive conservative i believe interim leader and former quebec liberal premier and uh, of all the weird names tasha carradine apparently claims that she was has been approached to run for the job well um yeah jean Charest, another retired politician who is more of an opportunist politician he'll he'll run for whoever as long as he wins yeah um yeah come on i i don't want to hear that name i mean well he's, he's old a, he's a has-been oh totally is and I mean, I, I, I wonder if um, Mulrooney, what's what's her first name? Oh, Carolyn. 
Carolyn Mulrooney. I wonder if she might throw her hat in the ring. I have heard her name bandied about. So um, now she is a cabinet minister in Doug Ford's government right now. So, I mean, that's not a stretch that to uh, suggest she might look for the, the federal conservative job. That would actually be an interesting one. I actually would like to see her and Peter Polyev square off. Yeah, because they're both very intelligent, very well-spoken, articulate people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one might not be a, be a bad one. Um, yeah. Now, I want to just touch on what I, when I mentioned earlier, Pierre Polyev said he was running for prime minister. And the reason I think that is so brilliant is that he didn't even use the word conservative party through his whole two and a half minute video. Because I think he's just, he's reaching out to all Canadians and just saying, doesn't matter what your party stripe is, if you believe what I believe, come follow me. Which, of course, naturally means through the Conservative Party. But, I mean, I think he's just reaching out to Canada to try and bring us all back together again. And I thought, man, that that was really, really smart. I, I think so, too. And I, I think what he's saying is, is, I'm going to represent all of you. I will be everyone's prime minister, not just the prime minister of the people who vote for me. Yeah, or the interest groups that fund my foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I and I and I think that him saying that was was or not saying that was was brilliant. Yeah. So he uh, well, he must have put a lot of thought into this. I remember when you know. I guess, was it last year, two years ago when uh, the last leadership race was going on when Aaron O'Toole became leader and Pierre Polyev decided to bow out at that time. I wonder if maybe he was just biding his time thinking of, you know, when his time did come, he would have this approach because, boy, he is, uh, I guess he's always very polished. But yeah, he was just, that was a great speech. <laughs> I, I don't think, I... I... I know I've been told off the record by someone who knows that that um, he did bow out the first time because of family reasons, but there's something about that that has that still doesn't feel right. It almost feels like the like the party told him, "Look, it's not your time yet." Well, possibly. Yeah. Well, he has been considered. Uh... Uh, you know, a definite front runner. And there was speculation again on power play that perhaps he's announcing as early as he's announcing before the race officially even starts to try to scare any other contenders away. And I thought that's actually strategically not a bad move either. Yeah. I hope, I hope that we only end up with like three or four candidates because you remember, uh, 2017 when there was 13 candidates oh yes that was uh, oh that was so hard to watch because almost everybody said the exact same thing in the debates and it was like why am i watching this debate there's no ideas that are any different yep pretty much yep <laughs> and it was like each question took an hour to answer because there were 13 people <laughs> yeah that was uh yeah that was too much i actually watched one of those live here in saskatoon and yeah that was painful yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, well i think i think we did a good job of recreating the original show that we had recorded but didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah we managed to get it together finally so hopefully this 
you know, does record. The clock is still ticking off as if it is. So uh, hopefully we got it for you this time, Canada. So we do want to thank you for joining us. And a special shout out to all of you. Um, our episode 153 on the, the Freedom Convoy has absolutely exploded. And it is, oh, I would say 30% over and above our uh, previous most listened to show and still climbing up. So thank you all for sharing that with your friends and family and well, keep listening in and we'll keep bringing you the content. Yeah. It's interesting because that episode since Sunday, I think has had another, another, uh, a big chunk of people who've listened. Like I think the number has climbed about 20% since Sunday. And we recorded that one a week and a half ago yeah yeah you're right it's uh it's great but i i I get it because we're actually bringing it to you from the perspective of well the people that are on the ground and not the people that are like you had said lewis in their office five blocks away or in their office tower looking down and you know trying to spot the, the the bad guys so yeah exactly so, yeah, we appreciate the love that you guys show us and, uh, and keep sharing our shows because I think more Canadians need to hear this perspective. Yep, absolutely right. So uh, until the next time, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. <laughs>